Hey everybody, Craig from the University of Applied Research and Development here, and it's our privilege to have Dana Navarette, who is the Manager for Corporate Emergency Management at GM Financial. Good morning, Dana. Good morning, how are you? Fantastic to have you here with us. I think your, your um, journey into an emergency management is going to be very interesting for people to hear and learn about how you came to be in the industry. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your history and and how you came to be in emergency management. Craig, can you hear me? Yep, we can hear you. No problem. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Can you hear me okay? Yes, we can. Okay. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I've had technical difficulties, whether it's my phone or laptop all week, so I do apologize. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. This is um, an emergency and you're managing it, so that's fine. <laughs> oh, thank you. Dana, I was just um, I was just saying on the intro there that you, you know, it'd be great for people to hear actually your journey of how you got into emergency management, and we had the opportunity to talk about that a week or so ago. So, won't you tell us about how you first mm -hmm. got into emergency management? Yeah, um, actually, I love to share this story. I I honestly stumbled upon emergency management. It was something that I never thought. Um, that I'd get into, and honestly, I never really heard of it. Um, so most of my, I say career, I've been involved in, worked in the field of administrative work, where, whether it was administrative assistance at cities or different businesses. Um, and uh, a while back, I actually worked um, for a city here in Texas, and part of my responsibilities was um, working with the fire chief. Um, so the good thing with that is, Throughout working with him, um, he talked to me about you know life safety and fire safety and emergency management, um, and actually would involve me in some of their activities. So I had the opportunity um, to on a call with them, and so they would show me burn patterns in a house or um, just anything to kind of see if it would pique my interest. And unfortunately, um, probably eight or nine months into the position, my husband got relocated to Georgia and um, that fire chief told me, hey, if emergency management is something you're interested in, uh, I know a school, at least to get your associates up there, that would be a good um, starting point for you. So I took the advice, I looked into it, and um, when we moved to Georgia, I actually got into um, the associates program for emergency management finished it. Um, about the time I finished it, my husband um, goes, hey, we're going to relocate back to Georgia or back from back to Texas. Do you want to continue your education and see if there's a bachelor's program? So I did. Um, I went to the University of North Texas up here um, in North Texas. I got my bachelor's degree. Um, and at the tail end of my bachelor's degree, um, part of the requirement requirement for graduation was to do a, an intern class or uh, take an internship prep class and do an internship. So as most people know in the emergency management field, you generally go to the public sector or an NGO. And I took a different route. There was actually a position open um, for a business continuity intern um, for a company called McAfee. 
And I looked into it, applied for it, and got an internship. Uh, lo and behold, the business continuity, quote unquote, internship was actually nothing to do with business continuity. It was all emergency management. So I did that for about six or seven months. Um, about a month before I graduated, they actually offered me a full-time position as the Global Emergency Response Program Manager for McAfee. Uh, so, you know, I took that position and I stayed with McAfee for a couple of years, which eventually transitioned into Intel. So at the McAfee side of the house, um, like I said, I was global. So my reach for sites was not only US, it was M it was EMEA, it was APAC. Um, so I got to kind of see things in a global perspective. Again, like most private sector um, emergency management programs, there's really not a whole lot they do or the company really doesn't know a lot. So while I was actually learning about it, the company was learning about it. So I had the opportunity to go um, to India a couple times to see how how they do emergency management, how they perceive it, um, kind of roll my knowledge into theirs, make their programs better, and as well as in the States. Um, from there, um, like I said, McAfee uh, was a wholly owned subsidiary of Intel. So eventually I transitioned to Intel um, and became a AMR emergency manager. So while most of the emergency managers in Intel had maybe one site that they were responsible for, and th those sites could range from 5,000 employees to a 30,000 campus, I had all of the quote-unquote small uh, sites, which averaged anywhere from 80 to 100 sites on any given day. So, you know, generally they were, they were selling sites or, you know, adding sites or deleting sites. So I would have an influx um, or, you know, never the same amount of, of uh, locations. So all of mine spanned across the U.S. and Canada. So for me, doing emergency management in that aspect was like chasing case, chasing a herd of cats. It was very different at every site. Um, you know, it, there was a lot to learn. I enjoyed it. Um, but unfortunately, um, Intel spun McAfee bought back off, and I had to make a decision whether to transition to to Intel and relocate my family or try to go to McAfee. There really wasn't an emergency management job or take a leap of faith and find another company. So in December of 2016, um, I was hired at Jim Financial to oversee their corporate emergency management um, department. Um, unbeknownst to me, I was told, hey, we've got a great foundation for a program. You just step in and you know, basically the, it's your canvas. You can do what you want. Well, I get there and there was really not a foundation. There was more of like some rubble on the ground and <laughs> had to build a team and build an entire program. So <laughs> I've spent the last almost five years um, building a program with a great team. Um, and of course, you know, there was obstacles, but we took a base model and we've, you know, developed a program that I'm actually quite proud of. And, and we've done a lot and have implemented a lot of things, a lot of like uh, life safety, awareness, preparedness. You know, they're doing things that they've never done before, um, like run drills or be part of drills. You know, it's one thing to do a fire drill, but now we're doing shelter in place drills. So 
we've been able to expand out the program um, over the last five years. So that's kind of, I guess, a very high level journey of, of my road or, or my professional development, or I guess my, my professional career in emergency management. I love that. So you went from administration to traveling to a degree to McAfee to Intel to to GM, which is an incredibly large organization. It's quite a it's quite a strange route to get into emergency management. Yeah. So how have you learned along the way? You said you did your degree. What are the things have you done to keep up with emergency management? So, you know, like most of us, you know, I, I, I try to do the, you know, the little FEMA certifications here and there and, mm. you know, um, attend conferences, workshops. Um, but the one thing I will say, and I know, Craig, we talked about this, while the public sector and private sector is so much alike, there's so much difference. And even in college courses, they really don't teach you a lot about the private sector. So it's been a learning experience you know, to take what I know and figure out how best to apply that in a private sector world. Because again, um, we don't make businesses money, we spend their money. And we know in the private sector, most people don't want to spend the money. So you have to basically be a sales person to sell the program, sell the product and why it should benefit them. So, you know, if we talked, it's, it's difficult at times to do that. But I think over time, um, it's getting a little bit easier and um, private sectors getting a little bit more into it and wanting to know about it and how they can protect. So I guess I kind of jumped around going back. You know, I try to stay, you know, connected with others um, and what they're doing in emergency management, um, doing stuff like this, um, reading articles. Um, I do go out to the university where I graduated from to provide feedback and advice and information as well as get that from them as well. So within emergency management, it really is a great network to share a lot of uh, wonderful information on best practices, what's worked, lessons learned, and everything. That's really great. And that, that's one of the interesting things about talking with you so that people can understand that difference with the private sector versus public sector and how do you have those conversations with people at the corporate level about how important emergency management is i mean we can talk big picture we're saving lives but really you know what are those conversations the content the talking points you use yeah uh, difficult to start <laughs> um the conversations i mean I think for the most part, they understand the importance of it. But going back to what I was saying, you know, you have to sell the program and and why they should invest in it. Again, you know, like I said earlier, we spend money, we don't make money. So what we have learned to do is um, an example is, you know, my team visits the various sites um, throughout the year to um, conduct drills and meet with people. So, you know, we sit down with the leadership and we explain the why behind it, why this is so important. You know, not only can you use the information we're teaching you at the site level, but you can also take that at home. And, you know, something may happen when you're with your you know, say one of your kids at a football game or a basketball game and an injury happens, you can take what you've learned there at your, what you learned at work and apply it to home. So we try to sell it like that is it's, it's valuable information here at work. It's also valuable at home. So over the years, you know, leadership has gotten a lot better with the understanding of why we do it. Um, 
But I'll be realistic. We still get pushback. Um, I know, Craig, you know, when we were talking a couple of weeks ago, you know, I gave you an example of, you know, we were running a drill and it's not that our team members don't want to evacuate. A lot of times it's our leadership that doesn't want to evacuate because for them, we're interrupting and they've got things to do. And not that what we was important, but they've got an important phone call they got to make. So again, we've got to explain the why. This is why we do it. You know, it's to protect. We want to make sure, you know, awareness and preparedness and arrive safety and this and that. And for the most part, they've gotten on board, but it's a constant selling of, you know, driving awareness and preparedness and life safety. And, and we do it for, for the betterment of the company. Because if we don't have people on those sites, we can't produce, you know, we can't produce those cars or, or go, you know, sell more vehicles or have more loans. So it's kind of a, a domino effect. Yeah. Tell us about your role and how it's changed due to COVID over this last 12 months. So it's interesting. Um, you know, I, I would imagine most would feel, you know, being an emergency management, we'd be boots on the ground, really involved in the whole COVID-19 pandemic. And, you know, again, when I was talking to Craig a couple of weeks ago, that is actually quite the opposite. Now, I don't know if that's the same across a lot of private sectors, but it's not that we didn't provide um, information or we weren't SMEs and that um, for them, it was a business decision. So a lot of um, the pandemic planning or decisions made uh, was more so with our leadership and the safety um avp of that uh, the safety leadership so you know we found other avenues to make sure we provided information to our team members well you know some people may think it's pretty minor and, and minimalistic you know we just took how could we apply maybe the safety tips we provide every week to our team members how can we convert that to work from home so you know we took information we knew and we applied it to that or we would continue to have meetings with our emergency response team members to again make sure they had that information. So we may not have been fully involved, but we found a way to be involved and to make sure the everyday team member was getting information. Um, I will be honest and say I wish we would have had a little bit more involvement, but I understand from a business perspective um, why they did it and chose to do it the way they do. Hmm. So for people that are in an organization that doesn't have an emergency manager or doesn't run drills on a regular basis, what would be a conversation <laughs> that someone could use? Because obviously that, that business has got to happen is really important. Yeah, so I can tell you, um, I won't say even if you don't have some form of emergency management or emergency management person in that role. Um, there's generally some aspect of it, whether it's in, I've seen it in facilities, I've seen it in IT, business continuity, you know, there's some form of it. But again, a lot of times, uh, those individuals aren't subject matter experts in it, they know the very base model of what needs to be done. So they know, you know, because of OSHA standards, you've got to conduct drills. Or a lot of times, if you reside and you're a tenant in a building, um, it'll fall on property manager or property management has the drill. So you kind of get out of it. Um, I have seen over the last year, um, it's a good thing. It's in a bad thing with the pandemic that the, the pandemic has driven 
or at least from what I've seen, emergency management positions to really become readily available. Um, and there's been kind of a calling for us to come in and now they're starting to see uh, the importance and the need for what we do. So I've seen, you know, a lot more people come in and um, ask, you know, for our expertise or, um, you know, what can you do to help us and, and everything. So it's definitely growing. Um, I've seen it grow more so over the last year than I've seen our field grow, you know, over the last 10 or 12 years. Hmm. So I would imagine working for McAfee or Intel or GM, there's a lot of technology involved. Is there a lot of technology mm -hmm. that's involved in emergency management in your role yet? Um, I wish um, I wish I could say there was. Um, you know, it's interesting. I was just having a conversation with somebody the other day um, and they're like, so, you know, what mass notification system do you use? And, you know, for emergent events. And I'm like, we don't and and everything so there's you know definitely some technologies that i um wish we would be able to implement but again it goes back to having to justify the why and the cost um mm. you're going to have a lot of sectors that just or businesses that don't want to spend 150 160 000 on a mass notification system that maybe used once or twice a year so we have learned to use other avenues um, to help us during, um, you know, emergent events. Uh, we have global security operations center. That's, um, a 24 by seven, 365 day a year. Um, I guess you want to call it a hub. So they do a lot of monitoring for us. Um, you know, we're, and my team works a lot with them. So, you know, we utilize, um, that group to provide a lot of information and uh, to us as well as my team does a lot of monitoring so i mean the the good thing is is we haven't had a i say major events that we've had to worry about where we would really need technology right now um knock on wood it's been you know small events you know like watching a hurricane you know tracking a hurricane or you know we've had a medical incident at one of our sites so it's it's worked so far but you know, would I love to see some more technology in our, with what we do? Absolutely. Hopefully down the road, we can um, garner the support and get some stuff implemented. Danny, just um, to wrap up, if someone was going to um, try to be involved in emergency management, get some experience, um, learn some skills before they get into it, what sort of life experiences or training would, encourage, would you encourage people to have? You know, um, Definitely, you know, go, go to CPR, first aid, AE class. Um, if you have a local CERT team, which is a um, kind of a localized emergency response team, get involved in that. Um, you know, a lot of times they can call on you to assist with disasters. Um, you know, at the local level, you can go, um, I generally, I believe it's about a 16 hour course that you can take over a weekend and they teach you the basics. Um, so that's a good avenue. Um, I would highly recommend, um, if it's a field you're looking into, um, reach out to some emergency managers, not, not just in the public sector. I would look for some in the private sector and really get a feel for what's out there um, because we are we are in abundance. But again, everybody looks on that public sector side and, and us on the private sector side. We have a, uh, I say, like a unique set of skills. Um, 
we have a lot of information. We may not be necessarily boots on the ground type people, but we can provide a lot of information and insight. So I would definitely say networking, um, you know, join your local cert uh, team. And, and, you know, I can say this might be emergency management. You got to really have a, have a passion for it. You either have a passion for it or you don't. Um, I can tell you my family gets tired of hearing about it for me, but I, <laughs> I live it. I breathe it. Um, it's, it's an everyday thing for me. Um, and I think it's probably one of the most rewarding fields to be in. And I actually look forward to telling people about what I do and how I do it in the incidents I've been involved in and some of, you know, quote unquote life stories that, um, that has happened to my, my family or my, you know, fellow team members and how we've come through it knowing the skills that we know. Okay. Well, Dana, I really want to thank you for your time. And I'll be making notes, as I always do, when people are sharing their wisdom. And you said that it's important to make it clear for people um, when you're encouraging them to understand the importance of emergency management, to, um, mm -hmm. to emphasize the value of it, not just at work, but at home and community so that they can see the cross-pollination right. and the importance of it. Number two is to just find a way to be involved when your department may be small if yeah. you're in emergency management. And thirdly, if you want to join into the industry, to join that community um, emergency response team and to network and, and to do some training as well. Thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate Absolutely. you doing this for us today. And um, with your manager of corporate emergency management at GM Finance, really want to thank you <laughs> and wish you all the best in your role. All right. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. Um, I'm actually glad I was able to do this. And, you know, if um, you ever want to chit chat again, let me know. I'd love to do it.